If you didn't realize it, this is a totally free podcast. How does Carla do it? Well, she loves to read the classics, but we all could use a little help now and then. So if you'd like to show your appreciation, any small donation would be appreciated. Visit anchor.fm slash Carla 3507 or cash app dollar sign Jess TSM. Hi, everybody. Carla here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Let me thank you also for putting up with my reading flubs. I'll try to do better as I make my way through Harper Lee's seminal work, To Kill a Mockingbird. Today, we're on Chapter 25. Don't do that, Scout. Set him out on the back steps. Jam, are you crazy? I said set him out on the back steps. Sighing, I scooped up the small creature, placed him on the bottom step, and went back to my cot. September had come, but not a trace of cool weather with it, and we were still sleeping on the back screen porch. Lightning bugs were still about. The night crawlers and flying insects that beat against the screen the summer long had not gone wherever they go when autumn comes. A roly-poly had found its way inside the house. I reasoned that the tiny varmint had crawled up the steps and under the door. I was putting my book on the floor beside my cot when I saw him. The creature was no more than an inch long, and when you touch them, they rolled themselves into a tiny gray ball. I lay on my stomach, reached down, and poked him. He rolled up. Then, feeling safe, I suppose, he slowly unrolled. He traveled a few inches on his hundred legs, and I touched him again. He rolled up. Feeling sleepy, I decided to end things. My hand was going down on him when Jem spoke. Jem was scowling. It was probably a part of the stage he was going through, and I wished he would hurry up and get through it. He was certainly never cruel to animals, but I had never known his charity to embrace the insect world. Why couldn't I mash him? I asked. Because they don't bother you, Jim answered in the darkness. He had turned out his reading light. Reckon you're at the stage now where you don't want to kill flies and mosquitoes now, I reckon, I said. Let me know when you change your mind. Tell you one thing, though. I ain't going to sit around and not scratch a red bug. All dry up he said drowsily. Jim was the one who was getting more like a girl every day, not I. Comfortable, I lay on my back and waited for sleep, and while waiting, I thought of Dill. He had left us the first of the month with firm assurances that he would return the minute school was out. He guessed his folks had got the general idea that he liked to spend his summers in Maycomb. Miss Rachel took us with them in the taxi to Maycomb Junction, and Dill waved to us from the train window until he was out of sight. He was not out of mind. I missed him. The last two days of his time with us, Jim had taught him to swim. Taught him to swim. I was wide awake, remembering what Dill had told me. Barker's Eddy is at the end of a dirt road off the Meridian Highway, about a mile from town. It is easy to catch a ride down the highway on a cotton wagon or from a passing motorist, and then the short walk to the creek is easy. But the prospect of walking all the way back home at dusk when the traffic is light is tiresome, and swimmers are careful not to stay too late. According to Dill, he and Jim had just come to the highway when they saw Atticus driving toward them. He looked like he had not seen them, so they both waved. Atticus finally slowed down. When they caught up with him, he said, "'You'd better catch a ride back. 
I won't be going home for a while. Calpurnia was in the back seat. Jem protested, then pleaded, and Atticus said, All right, you can come with us if you stay in the car. On the way to Tom Robinson's, Atticus told them what had happened. They turned off the highway, rode slowly by the dump, and passed the Ewell residence down the narrow lane to the Negro cabins. Dill said a crowd of black children were playing marbles in Tom's front yard. Atticus parked the car and got out. Calpurnia followed him through the front gate. Dill heard him ask one of the children, "'Where's your mother, Sam?' and heard Sam say, "'She down at Sis Stevens, Mr. Finch. Won't me run fetch her?' Dill said Atticus looked uncertain, then said, "'Yes.' Sam scampered off. "'Go on with your game, boys,' Atticus said to the children." A little girl came to the t to the cabin door and stood looking at Atticus. Dill said her hair was a wad of tiny stiff pigtails, each ending in a bright bow. She grinned from ear to ear and walked toward our father, but she was too small to navigate the steps. Dill said Atticus went to her, took off his hat, and offered her his finger. She grabbed it, and he eased her down the steps. Then he gave her to Calpurnia. Sam was trotting behind his mother when they came up. Dill said, Helen said, Evening, Mr. Finch, won't you have a seat? But she didn't say any more. Neither did Atticus. Scout, said Dill. She just fell down in the dirt, just fell down in the dirt, like a giant with a big foot come along and just stepped on her. Just ump! Dill's fat foot hit the ground, like you'd step on an ant. Dill said Calpurnia and Atticus lifted Helen to her feet and half-carried, half-walked her to the cabin. They stayed inside a long time, and Atticus came out alone. When they drove back by the dump, some of the Yules hollered at them, but Dill didn't catch what they said. Makem was interested by the news of Tom's death for perhaps two days. Two days was enough for the information to spread through the county. Did you hear about? No? Make well, they say he was running fit to beat lightning. To make him, Tom's death was typical. Typical of a nigger to cut and run. Typical of a nigger's mentality to have no plan, no thought for the future, just run blind first chance he saw. Funny thing, Atticus might have got him off scot-free. But wait, hell no. You know how they are. Easy come, easy go. Just shows you that Robinson boy was legally married, they say he kept himself clean, went to church and all that. But when it comes down to the line, the veneer's mighty thin. Nigger always comes out in him. A few more details, enabling the listener to repeat his version in turn, then nothing to talk about until the Makem Tribune appeared the following Thursday. There was a brief obituary in the colored news, but there was also an editorial. Mr. B. B. Underwood was at his most bitter, and he couldn't have cared less who canceled advertising and subscriptions. But Makem didn't play that way. Mr. Underwood could holler till he sweated and write whatever he wanted to. He'd still get his advertising and subscriptions. If he wanted to make a fool of himself in his paper, that was his business. Mr. Underwood didn't talk about miscarriages of justice. He was writing so children could understand. Mr. Underwood simply figured it was a sin to kill cripples, be they standing, sitting, or escaping. He likened Tom's death to the senseless slaughter of songbirds by hunters and children, and Makem thought he was trying to write an editorial poetical enough to be reprinted in the Montgomery Advertiser. 
How could this be so, I wondered, as I read Mr. Underwood's editorial. Senseless killing? Tom had been given due process of law to the day of his death. He had been tried openly and convicted by twelve good men, and true, my father had fought for him all the way. Then Mr. Underwood's meaning became clear. Atticus had used every tool available to free men to save Tom Robinson, but in the secret courts of men's hearts Atticus had no case. Tom was a dead man the minute Mayella Yule opened her mouth and screamed. The name Yule gave me a queasy feeling. Makem had lost no time in getting Mr. Yule's views on Tom's demise and passing them along through that English channel of gossip, Miss Stephanie Crawford. Miss Stephanie told Aunt Alexandra in Jim's presence, Oh, Foot, he's old enough to listen, that Mr. Yule said it made one down and about two more to go. Jim told me not to be afraid. Mr. Yule was more hot gas than anything. Jim also told me that if I breathed a word to Atticus, if in any way I let Atticus know what I knew, Jim would personally never speak to me again. That brings us to the end of Chapter 25 of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time.